Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. The Appetite is all about issues of food, body, sport, and mental health. And I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today, I am joined by all three of Opal co-founders. Julie Church, Nutrition Director and Community Relations Director. And I'm Kara Bazzi. I'm the Clinical Director. And I'm Dr. Lexi Giblin, Executive Director. And we are going to be talking about the art of non-productivity, which is a phrase that comes from radically open dialectical behavioral therapy. Correct. Okay. Will you lay it out for us, Lexi? Okay. So if you have an over-controlled temperament, you're likely to be excellent at productivity, efficiency, getting things done. That's probably your wheelhouse. And can you just give us a brief, brief overview of what an over-controlled temperament would look like? Yeah, it's somebody who neurobiologically is more risk-averse and inhibited in expression is the short, the short version. Okay. So part of it would be productivity. Yeah. So a typical over-controlled temperament kind of focuses on how to do more in the same amount of time, right? It's about productivity and improving efficiency. And that is, you know, wonderful in a lot of ways, but can also get us in trouble. Because if you are always working hard and working to complete tasks, then you miss out on a big part of life, which is play and leisure and non-productivity. I know this is an area where where I struggle more. I've had to develop non-productivity skills. I don't know if that's if that sounds very over-controlled. But, um, we actually started a group at Opal called the Art of Non-Productivity. And the clients, they struggle with it in their different ways of just having 45 minutes to just like, do nothing or follow your whimsy. So what you do know? they do during those 45 minutes? Well, what I what see them doing is talking to each other around the table and playing bananagrams and just relaxing. There's no objective. There's no agenda. It's sort of just, let's just hang out. And they can't have technology, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why does the development of these skills matter? Yeah, it's a great question because a client said that to us recently. (laughs) Like, why would you want to learn non-productivity? What would be the benefit of that? What do you guys think? Why do we, as humans... Mm -hmm. I can think right away Mm -hmm. that when I'm more Mm non-productive, I'm less stressed. Mm -hmm. My body is more relaxed. I take more in. I am more present. I can remember things better. I think when I'm very productive, I get very distracted and I don't don't even take in memories very well. So I'm present. My body is... Yeah, my body just feels better. What about you, Julie? Yeah, I was thinking that the experience of somebody who is overly controlled, I just think of it as kind of this consistent, high-intensity kind of hypervigilance that's always happening. And so then with that, this would allow there to be variance in the way that one's life could be. And that seems like that would be really good for one's mental health and physical health at the cellular level. And I think of kind of the neurobiological piece to it that our ODBT speaks to, too. And I, I know that that would be good for, the, good for the brain and good for the body. Mm-hmm. How would you guys sort of define non-productivity in your own lives at this point? 
Well, in preparation for this, even though I know we weren't supposed to be preparing, um, <laughs> in the spirit, I, <laughs> I of course thought a little bit about the fact we were going to have this conversation, and I this morning even was spending a little bit of time with my four year old, and I've been spending a lot more time with him. I was recognizing how at various phases of my parenting that I can lean in more to the non productivity and even the novelty that is a part of being kind of being in a non productive state, more so at different seasons of my parenting. But I was especially proud of myself, I suppose, (laughs) on vacation recently. We were in Whistler as a family, and I've been there now, honestly, probably multiple times a year over the last 20 years. And so a lot of times. I've never been up there for a whole week, though, at a time. And so we just had more space. And he, during the days that he and I were just together, he would kind of lead me in different places. And I walked on roads and sidewalks in different places I'd never been. And I saw different things that I hadn't ever seen before. And I found his attentiveness to ice and snow and the sun. And I don't know, just different things that I I noted his ease, I guess, in being nonproductive and even novelty, like enjoying seeing new things and drawing my eyes to that. So I find that in my better moments, I can lean into being with my four-year-old and allow for his nonproductive nature to really allow for me to be also nonproductive. I love that idea Mm -hmm. of actually following him around and getting to see (laughs) new streets because he doesn't have that agenda Mm -hmm. in any way. Yeah, I had my way to get to the grocery store, but that was not... His <laughs> different plan. plan. For you. No, and you know there was tons of space and time, so I was able to lean into that. So I can talk about the barriers that happen when it's like we just break the non-productivity, <laughs> but we'll get to that maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kara? For me, well, the first easy answer is my husband has a term for me, vacation, Kara. Because I think when I'm in vacation mode, I can easily just follow like pleasure and play. It's much harder in my day to day. It's an interesting combination because I can really connect to it. But what hijacks the play and the pleasure side is my sense of responsibility. So if my sense of responsibility is put to the side, I can really, I know what I want. I know what I like to do. And I'll Try to get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and bring my kids. I maybe I'm bringing my kids a lot. Maybe the opposite of Julie, <laughs> where they're they're following following my my pleasure. Um, so that's the first easy answer. I think I've had to work a lot harder on how to be non-productive and spontaneous and all those things in my more day to day. You just used the phrase, you had to work on it. And Lexi used it earlier, like <laughs> developing the skills. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really proud as I sat and was non-productive this morning and yeah. played a game with my four-year-old. It's like, kudos. I know, it's yeah. kind of an ironic <laughs> sense of accomplishment around <laughs> something that's about not accomplishing. Right, I know. Totally. <laughs> I know. Totally. <sighs> Lexi, what about you? What does the development of this look like for you? Well, my daughter and I have follow your whimsy days. <laughs> and days. so full well, you know, close to. Yeah. Like where we'll just get up and go with whatever pleasure, whatever is calling to us, and then we go to the next thing after that and we just have days that are fully more follow your whimsy non productive days. And that's been really good for me <laughs> because I'm more present with her when I don't have any kind of agenda at play. When I think about non-productivity, I'm most available to other people when I'm in that mode. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly a big benefit 
Yesterday, I went out cross-country skiing by myself. So it was kind of this non-productive thing. I'm going out to go cross-country skiing. And then I noticed the over-controlled person come into play. So I was thinking, oh, I could get this done on the way home in the car since I'm just going to be there in the car. I mean, why don't I just work on this? Why don't I listen, review this podcast? Why don't I call this person? I can very quickly find myself in non-productive time being productive. So I have to be careful with that. Yes. I think it just is so easy to have that just creep up and creep in, you know, lay on the couch. And if I have my phone next to me or any, even just my brain, right? I mean, then I'm like creating a list of potentially the things that then are cropping up. For me, at least it's like a, sometimes I need a little bit of a brain dump before I'm going to actually be able to get truly into that non-productive time so that I can get those things that are maybe top of mind, off of my mind, so that then I can know I can come back to that. (laughs) But otherwise, that can be really distracting if I don't let myself do that. One thing I was thinking, too, I remember, at least maybe starting as a teenager, I started to develop the kind of work before play mentality of, like, make sure you get all your homework done, do your sports, get your homework done, and then you can play. But then you know, you, you might not have any more time to play. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it would, it would be the last on the list and kind of just if you get to it. So I know that that's been something I've, I've worked on too, is how do you create time? I mean, some of it is, I think I, I plan maybe the time that I'm going to be <laughs> present and that has worked, but I'd be curious what <laughs> RODBT would say about that, but that's the way I can make it happen before my list is done. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the the thing is the planning of the leisure and filling it up in a way, kind of like efficiency around how can I get the most leisure (laughs) done in the most effective way or something versus, and that has a very different feel than just lounging around with absolutely no place to go or that completely unstructured time Mm -hmm. where you're just following your pleasure or following your whimsy. I have to admit, I feel like you guys are talking in a different language right now. (laughs) I don't relate or understand at all, at all, to the point where I'm, like, sitting here. I noticed that my jaw just sort of dropped when Kara was talking. Like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) From a different planet. Yes. And, And I have taken this long to say something because I think that in our culture, mainstream, capitalist, American, like, upper middle class, middle class society, whatever, the value of productivity and busyness is so huge. Accomplishment is so large that for that to not be my natural temperament, I feel so much shame about it because Mm. like you guys are describing something that's valuable to society Mm. rather than the fact that I, I woke up really early yesterday, which is a big deal for me. I woke up early on a Sunday and I like read a cookbook about cheese for like an hour (laughs) for like an hour I just sat there with my coffee and I had written a a lot in the morning and then I wandered around outside and then I came back and looked at a cookbook in my sleeping bag on the couch for for a long time learning about French cheeses Mm -hmm. and like thinking about what I would make for dinner in six weeks or something I mean I just like (laughs) It wasn't really? to accomplish something for that night's dinner party. Like no, that is like no, there was, was no dinner party on the horizon. Definitely not. <laughs> no agenda. I just moved. Like things aren't even unpacked. And I'm sitting there with this like, you know, 400 page cookbook 
that just like <laughs> that I also bought on a day of following my whimsy, <laughs> just sitting there looking at pictures of cheese and moaning. You know, I mean, it's just it's great. <laughs> I did not. I was not tempted by my phone <laughs> that moment. Yeah, yeah. Something I I notice is that I'm really good at being efficient and productive. But the other thing that I think I'm decent at is having fun while doing work. Mm. I can let loose and be silly and goofball while being productive, but How? just the complete absence of productivity while being goofy is more difficult. What does productive even mean? That's a big question. But like when you say that, productive in what ways? Yeah. I have an answer about? actually okay. by working working so closely with Lexi is she's interruptible. So she could be working on a task, her office door is open, I could go interrupt her and she can flex and just like talk to me and we could have like laugh together on something or she can gear shift really easily or we're talking about something serious and you make you crack some kind of joke about it, you know, and, and yet then she's getting back to whatever task she was doing after I've left the office. Like, I think to me, that is representative of what you're talking about. Like, you can hold it kind of loosely, even though you're getting stuff done. Like when you're asking what is productive, Carter, like what is productivity? It's a problem. It's interesting. I'm, so, I'm No, no. But I'm so wired towards it that I literally was like, well, of course you're going to use the learning you had from the French cheese cookbook to then do something and make something and create something. So I actually think about how it then like leads to something. Yeah, I mean, I'm I so ate cheese last night, right? but I didn't even purchase it. It's someone else's. <laughs> I don't know. But I know it, it is. It's interesting. Like a friend gave me a cheese making kit that is sitting in my kitchen and it's been there for a year, maybe a year and a half. And I would love to learn, but I just really enjoy sitting and reading mm-hmm. and eating the cheese. <laughs> but it is it's an interesting wiring because I think that for me I'm motivated so much by pleasure and I don't know it yeah. just even imagination I guess if I'm imagining yeah. making it I feel great <laughs> I have I have jealousy envy whichever it is about that absolutely mm. that that's come so easy yeah, well want, and you can follow your mood you can follow yeah. your mood you can follow what you want you're not having to compete with a bunch of thoughts about what you need to be doing, which I think probably the three of us might relate to. Yeah, more. it sounds heavenly. It like does. you're just let, like to let go. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I can do that really well. But then when I have a list of things that I actually do have to do because I'm an adult and I have those things and I'm not super on top of it, which is, you know, that happens. I, I put like work first and then my own personal to do list comes way behind everything else. It's like I could, you know, sit and read about cheese, but I need to make sure that I've done the laundry and the bills are paid. Like it doesn't even cross my mind. So it doesn't bother you. Yes. Until I know that it does. And then I notice that I'm on my phone more. So it's not that I'm being more productive. I'm enjoying my leisure time way less. It's not leisure anymore. It's just like I'm distracted. Mm -hmm. Procrastinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm just procrastinating. But I don't even know really that I am. Until you know. Right. Right. So I, I love this idea of to-do lists. I'm trying to get better. <laughs> I have I actually have a list in front of me. <laughs> My notebook has had notes for the podcast we've recorded today and also a to-do list that I made this weekend. And I've never checked any of it off. So I just noticed like, oh, <laughs> I, I guess I could check those boxes. I did a lot of it, but I just forgot it existed. 
Okay, you guys are feeling like my non-productivity is novel. I'm feeling like (laughs) your productivity is novel. And that word in and of itself reminds me of something in RODBT, of just the emphasis on novel behavior. Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with maybe learning how to Mm -hmm. be non-productive? Right. So over-controlled folks tend to take life very seriously. And so they need more help being silly and non-productive. And with non-productivity and silliness often comes novelty. You're often doing things that you don't typically do when you're in a non-productive space. You're just kind of moving around to different pleasure experiences. So there's some novelty there. And a lot of times novelty is sort of what brings about play and fun for us when we experience something we haven't yet and we're still orienting to it. So doing something we don't usually do will often be part of non-productivity. Mm-hmm. Do you all relate to that? It's interesting for me, novelty isn't that difficult, but being non-productive is more difficult. So I feel like there's so many things that I approach that are novel, but that can relate to productive novel too. <laughs> so I don't know. I relate to having to ta- take a lot of risks, but what's motivating the risk I I mean, I could see it in both non-productive and productive time, I suppose. They're not mutually exclusive necessarily, but I can imagine a version of like planning out novel experiences and being like, okay, I got to try this and I got to do this and I got to check all this new, you know, bucket list stuff off Mm -hmm. or something like that, where it would be for pleasure. Totally. And there's some pleasure in the planning and that like I have always thought of like the anticipation of different trips or vacations or things I want to do or even planning fun time with friends like the anticipation is sometimes part of the best part because you're so excited about it so that I guess is part of maybe a good part of the planning of the non-productive fun time (laughs) I still think there's something about if you're over controlled like you're using your orientation for good by planning it I kind of think that there's that you know Having the whole long day and just being able to kind of go however you go, like there's utility in that. I, I continue to just ponder the novelty piece because if I look at sort of the places where I, I'm actually making choices to fill my time, if it's, yeah, evenings and weekends, right, like outside of work, I actually prefer less novelty because of the amount of unpredictability that can come in my work day. That is very novel. There's novelty all the time. I have don't have any control over that. And so what I find is that I want a vacation in the same places. I want to go to the places that I know well. I like tradition. I want routine in that way. So I'm I'm aware that my resistance, I guess, to the novelty comes from, I think, the fact that I have to manage so much of it in a place I can't do anything about it. Like, I'm going to have to face it. I don't know. And I I'm, I actually struggle with thinking, do I get pleasure from novelty? So I, I understand, like, moment of trying something new and being silly, like, feeling embarrassed and then laughing, kind of, because you're trying something new. I'm being very literal to the moment of yeah. trying something new. Generally speaking, maybe I like going to new restaurants. Yeah, I was going to say, That's I with like going to new I don't like to go to the same restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but I like a lot of novelty with that's food. Novel. Yeah, that's... I'm, like, very developed in my ability to be novel with food. But that would also say you probably anticipate you'd like it. Probably. With restaurants. Yeah. That's probably been placed in a category that you know that'll be pleasurable to you. Yeah. But the the predictability of knowing I'm going to like something you're investing so much time and energy and 
all of that anticipation with a vacation or something like that, all the time and resources you put into that, I don't want to take that risk. No way. I just want to go to the same place because I know it's going to be exactly what it is. And with having three young kids, going on vacation is a lot. And so to have the same place, you know where they're going to sleep, you know where the kitchen is, you know what you're going to cook, you know where you can go, what the activities are. And it's all the planning, all that stuff. It's way too much. So there isn't – I don't want the novelty in there in like the big ways, right? But then when I'm with Wallace, I can – allow there to be non-productivity and novelty if I'm in an environment that Mm -hmm. isn't as novel. Like I can't, I don't have space and capability right now to have, put myself and my whole family in a place where there's going to be all this novelty. Yeah. (laughs) Too much, too much. I actually really relate to that too. I mean, even if I am less productively inclined, like I go to, (laughs) I go to a lot of the same restaurants. I am a regular at a bunch of different places. I ordered the exact same things a lot of the time. I love the routine and the rhythm and being able to anticipate. And I feel like it actually sets a stage for new things to get to happen Mm -hmm. because some of the, there's like some controls in it, right? So you get to have a new experience. You get to be present because you're not like, oh, wait, where's the bathroom? And who's the server? And what's on the, I don't actually like this, or I didn't order enough or whatever it is. You know what's going to happen. And therefore I get to be more connected to the people that I'm with. I totally relate to this and that the last 10 years or so of my life, I've been disinterested in traveling. As you Mm -hmm. all know, Mm -hmm. that is not something I've been terribly interested in. I'm like, why would people travel? What is, what's the big deal? Why is that so great? It's stressful. The whole thing has been very stressful for me. So I'm working on that. I've been doing more vacationing and trying to find something I enjoy, but it's not a natural thing. I don't have wanderlust. I do. I I don't either. I love that. So much novelty. Yeah. And when you're like you like when we're in the space that we're in with Opal, it's like that's not I want sameness. I, I'm actually supposed to be going to Mexico tonight. <laughs> tonight. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a red eye. And I got an email last night that my my flight is delayed eight hours. Oh. And that means that my second leg yeah. I will oh, miss. No. And I am calm about it. But I also am obviously so disappointed. But it, it's these moments where I'm like, okay, well, you know, I just kind of roll with that. And also, if I had had anything planned once I get there, I think I would be so much more stressed out. I'm visiting a friend. I will be there. I will see her eventually. Probably not for as long as I anticipated. But okay. You know, but I'm glad that it, there are only a couple elements that are planned mm-hmm. so that the whole kit and caboodle doesn't have to be like thrown out because it's such a it is stressful to me to have plans right like so I want to have again that that structure of something but not everything planned out or else I can't breathe well that was a bummer huh (laughs) yeah eight hours what is that that that's ridiculous I do find it just interesting talking to like literally being interested in this like the under control slash over control slash the novel side that looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like interesting. We're all, I think we're all really different in it. And <clears throat> I think I'm a, a mix of being under controlled and over controlled in the sense that my procrastination is a controlling thing mm-hmm. too for the people that actually struggle with being productive but would want to be or the people that are really productive and would want to be less productive. Mm-hmm. 
how do you how do you choose what to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have talked about the phrase like following your whimsy. How but that also and that also feels like maybe a jump, like to what it would be the scaffolding to follow your whimsy, because I think some people would totally freak out by that. Well, you could do one novel thing mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. such as wear a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> or <laughs> is it on the- walk backward. Yes. Walk backward. Lexi's Blow dry your hair <laughs> for, with the other hand. Um, oh, yeah. He's reading out of the I heard that that helps your brain development. So you could just do something. It's really productive, Julie. Oh, shoot. And we've started at Opal this client challenge board that kind of gets at just doing something silly and non-productive as a community. There's different ones that we do in RO that we recommend in RO. So drive a different way to work. Have a different food than you're used to having for a particular meal. Put away your phone for 20 minutes while you're sitting, sitting <laughs> and having a coffee or something. Here's know. my favorite one. Order a pizza and end the call with, I remember, know. we never had this conversation. I don't think you <laughs> received the so pizza, random. would you? He, that's such <laughs> random example. Oh, my God. This is out of the manual, listeners. The other <laughs> the other part that I, I feel like we didn't expand on, but I do think is essential, is the social safety system. So, like, that experience with Wallace in the middle of my vacation and how I engaged versus at four, th- you know, 4.30 mm-hmm. or 4.45 p.m. on a Monday when I just came home from work, and then it's Wallace wanting to go out for a walk. Very different. Mm-hmm. So... How do I prepare my psychology and my biology to be able to also be nonproductive? Unfortunately for me, it doesn't just happen. Like I, I do have to take some – I have to be thoughtful about that. Even in that example, that Julie, I think of it's a major difference for me if I drive home being present in my drive – like doing nothing mm-hmm. in my phone on any stoplight and <laughs> – or listening to any messages or – which I do all the time. But if I don't – then that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. The five transition. Yeah, the tr- the eight minute drive or whatever that is. It's a small amount of time, but it, it, what I choose in that drive makes a pretty big difference. It'd be really hard to be anxious and be in non productivity. Exactly. Yeah. How to kind of ease into that? Mm-hmm. So actually signaling to your body that you're safe in yeah. some ways, if that's mm-hmm. not something that comes easily. I, I would imagine some kind of ritual could be really helpful. Kara, like, you know, not being on your phone would be a transitional point. If it's sometimes if I'm um, having a stressful day, I'll literally just light a candle and signal to myself, the day is done. We're now in rest time. And then I'm kind of like, oh, okay, the ambiance has changed. Maybe my brain can change now, too. Some other things could be what, like? Big three plus one. What is that again? Right. So um, eyebrows up. Take a deep breath, closed mouth, cooperative smile. Or if you're sitting down, then you lean back. And that signals to your body that you're safe because mm-hmm. you don't take deep breaths and you don't lean back when you're, mm-hmm. when you're in, under threat. So it'll actually change your, your physiology in the moment. Yes. I have a positive association with my bedroom. And so like if I get home and my kids, if I'm more amped and my kids want something from me right away, I make them not, you know, I just go up to my, they can't follow me up to my room. I change and I have a moment to myself and that takes my body into a more safe zone. I love that. I have a um, a rose water spray too. Mm. I like sensory things that I just will spray on my face mm-hmm. sometimes too. Lavender oil. Yeah. Yes. Just a signal again, that restart. Yep. Yeah. 
These are good ideas, you guys. I'm going to try to implement some of these. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those sensory things are, are really helpful. I mm-hmm. do that too with it when I have a spray that I spray over in my bedroom because the whole thing is oh. just like very, <laughs> my bedroom is a lot of good signaling of, mm. of relax. We should, we should create sensory kits and sell them. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, wow. <laughs> Finally being productive. <laughs> <laughs> Going to make some money over there, Carter. But you're right. Like the creativity, if you're productive all the time, you don't, you're not creative. No. Like that. And, oh, you know, actually one of my big things too is going for runs because, and I don't, if I, especially when I don't do anything, like I don't put any headphones in and I'm just on the run. Because I'm not, again, I'm present. And so then that, that's some of my most creative thinking. Yeah, I, th- I think that the idea of even being bored or having some sort of emotion come up first, whether it's anxiety or boredom or sadness or whatever it is, sometimes when we let our bodies relax, we're going to feel more. And then getting to a place of pleasure or non-productivity would be really difficult in those moments. So if it's changing your environment in some way to, to help that, that's great. But also if you get to have that space to sort of decompress first mm-hmm. and then expect that once you give yourself enough time, you'll probably get to the other side eventually. If you're not someone that cares for yourself a lot, it might take weeks right, or more to get to the other side where you can just rest. But that kind of letting down whatever that means is important in whatever iteration. If you want to learn more about Opal Food and Body Wisdom, visit us at opalfoodandbody.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetites original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>